teachers should dare ever to do is ask you to send in questions that are bothering you that you don't know the answer to, that disturb you or something, or just don't know the answer to, and I'll try and answer them. And we got some really good ones, and uh, I'm going to address one today, two next week, and the best way to do this is to email the office, and then Botty sends them to me. <clears throat> Pardon me. And this, the ones so far have been excellent. Well, um, I don't think Donna will mind that I say that this is her question. It's an excellent question. All of them have been good, by the way. All, all have been, been very good. One of them that was really easy to answer, and I'll share that, that part next week, where the answer to that question is, I don't know. See, yeah, that was an easier one. See? And, and neither is anybody else. Okay. So come and see which one that is. That was Steve's question. Well, um, I will read just parts of this, if that's okay with you. Okay. Um, I like the way she worded some of this. And the bottom line gives me great permission, which I love. She said, I'm very conflicted about this verse. That's a good thing. Are you aware of that? That when stuff bothers you, what does it do? It makes you look for the answers. That's, if you just go, oh, I don't have any questions. Really? Did you read your Bible? There are some things that should bother you here. There are some, I'm going to be bringing up an issue in about three weeks. Does anybody bothered by the verse that Yeshua said, unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you won't? Does that bother anybody? We're going to talk about that one. Because it's not what you think. But I mean, there are things that should bother us. We need to address those and see what they meant at the time that they were said, so we'll understand these things. So Donna, okay, here's the verse. It's from Acts 16, the Philippian jailer. We're going to discuss that whole issue. This this one line becomes the, the basis of an entire teaching, which I, lo- I love th- this section. It's great. Lessons for us to learn. It is this, this, this part of the verse. Uh, <clears throat> Believe in the Lord Yeshua, and you will be saved. Now, we all are okay with that. You and your household. Uh-oh, now that's where we get into, well, how does that work? Because that raises some other questions. She said, is it sound or unsound that I can somehow believe that this verse applies to my household? Well, it just said that, didn't it? In, in plain old English, but it wasn't written in English. But it said that, but how does that work? She says, my entire family is unsaved and could care less about salvation. Well, we just told the kids God answers prayer. Right now, let's pray for Donna's family. Okay, because what happens in this account can happen to them. Just as easy. Let's pray. Lord, I lift up Donna's family to you. And Lord, for those that seemingly don't care, I pray you would pierce their hearts with your truth and show them their need of you and show them that, that Donna has the answer, that she would be the vehicle to be able to speak truth into her own family. And it would be spoken in, in kindness and in love uh, and in graciousness and received as from you. I pray for opportunity, a divine appointment, when they are ready to open their hearts to you. Because only you can open a heart. But I pray that she would have the discernment on when that might be so she would say what needs to be said. Empower her and strengthen her and give her wisdom to know those things in Yeshua's name. Amen. <clears throat> now, she goes on. Um, at the bottom line, this is what I like the most. She said, please give me an unvarnished, the unvarnished truth about this verse. I like that because if it, if it doesn't sound, it's not, if it's not the way you want, she says, I don't care, I just want the truth. That's what I am. I want the truth, whatever it is. Okay? And if it makes me uncomfortable, I want to know whatever that is, not, not kind of polish things up and make it look better. I want to know exactly what it is. So let's turn to Acts chapter 16, one of my favorite sections of the Bible. It makes me want to teach the book of Acts again. Okay, let's uh, start off with that question. Okay, can, can, can my faith cover my children when they're 20, 25, 30 years old? See, some people say yes, but I'll, I'll get to the answer, and then we'll talk about how we get there in a minute. The answer is no. I stand before God accountable for me, for what I do, for what I say, for, for, for my decisions. I stand accountable for how I raise my kids. But when they get old enough to make their own decisions, they stand before God on the same basis. It's all the same. Okay, so my faith can't save them. My faith allows me to intercede for them. And we talked about God answers prayer. 
Okay, but our, our, we have three kids. Our middle daughter is not walking with the Lord. Now, when I'm walking with the Lord, that doesn't mean she's covered. Okay, because she will give an account of her decision. My job is to be the example to her. So, now that we've got that cleared up, what does this mean then? That's the whole, and I'm glad you asked that, because it, it, what it does to me gives, gives opportunity for a wonderful teaching. Okay, that's the question. And some get weird doctrine about this, but usually the, the simple understanding is the correct one. And as, Donna, as she first submitted this question, she began to talk. And as she just talked, the, the right answers came out. I go, that was it, that was good, that was excellent. Let's find out what she said that I was impressed with. Let's look at the whole story. That's what you have to do. Usually, if there's a, a, an issue in Scripture, you have to look at the whole context and see, see where, you know, not just one line or a couple of words, but the whole thing. Uh, this was in Philippi. Now, let's jump ahead in time to the book of Philippians. That's one of the greatest books ever written. This is full of joy and these, these great things about Yeshua to the congregation, the Messianic congregation that met in Philippi. All right? So that's the end result. That's really good. But how did this get started? What happened? Um, well, this was the first congregation planted in Europe, the very first one. That's what I was talking about with, uh, uh, with Megan. Uh, Paul's team wanted to go across the river. Let's go. We're ready. God says, nope. And you know what? Right about then, we all want to know, okay, why? Isn't that how we pray? That's how I pray. Lord, I heard you say no. I want to know why. And, and he says, nothing. I'm sure I heard you say no, but can you just give me a good reason? No is a good reason for me, okay? That's how that works. But later, they found out that God's timing is perfect. And the, time, the motivation was correct. The timing was not quite right. God's timing is perfect in all things. Well, that would be, be the first congregation. How was it birthed? If you take a look in the book of Acts at all these wonderful congregations, Ephesus and all these, most of them were birthed in, in turmoil. You know, we somehow get the impression that we send out missionaries and they're so glad we're there and they're happy and they treat us so... That's not the way it works, all right? You have to be... If you're going to go somewhere, you're going to be, be ready for some warfare, big-time warfare. Well, let's take a look at this. Chapter 16, the gospel enters... Europe. Let's take a look. <clears throat> Verse 11. <clears throat> Pardon me. Therefore, sailing, mouse, they were sailing, see that? From Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. From there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. There are no idle words in Scripture. These, these words are very important. Uh, they went to Philippi because it was a very, very important city. It was a colony. It was a Roman city. With all the, there's not time to go into all the details, but a Roman city had to have certain things. They had it all there. It, it's a miniature Rome. All right? So they said, that's where we want to go. Pagans, downtown Pagan Central. That's it, right there. <clears throat> Verse 13. And on Shabbat, we... we Notice the we. We. Who's writing this? Luke. Luke's there. He's on the team. This is important. You see this. Luke writes, we and they. We did this. They did this. He's there. We went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. you got to be kidding me. We'll talk. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. And look, you know what? The next verse is what I was talking about earlier on when we intercede for people, especially for families unsaved, uh, Adonis family. This, this is the answer to the prayer. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. You can't open a heart, but you can pray. The Lord opens a heart. See, we do our part, he does his part. So we, we, as much as I want to grab my middle daughter by her heart and just say, come on, I, it doesn't work. I pray. I'm being nice. He opens a heart. Okay, but we need to believe that he does what he says. And you see that line all through Scripture. God is the one who opens hearts. 
and uh, what, the, the things that Yeshua said when he said, he that has ears to hear, and he that, he that has eyes to see, that means a, a, a seeing heart and a hearing heart. And that's what you want to pray for, that they hear from him. And then in a few minutes you'll see the Philippian jailer say those great words. Okay, what do I have to do to be saved? That's what you're looking for. That happens all the time. But you better have the answer of what to do. Let's take a look. So on Shabbat, the women were meeting at the river. The Lord opened her at verse 15. And when she, look at this, context, and her household. Well, look at that. We have the household thing again, don't we? Two times in the same chapter. When she and her household were immersed, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Notice the us. Luke is staying in Lydia's house. We'll tell you about Lydia in a minute. It's a big house. How do we know? I'll tell you. Let's talk about that first section. Um, Well, the wording here, the Greek wording, for prayer was being made there. The actual word structure is there was a prayer place. They were meeting where the prayer place was. That term is used of a synagogue. There's no building. I'll tell you why in about one minute. But this was a synagogue service. A synagogue service. Um, The emperor um, Claudius had, there were several Roman emperors, all of them were bad and crazy. <clears throat> but Claudius had given the, uh, this imperial edict, this expulsion order of expelling all Jews from Rome. And then he went to all Roman cities. Now, they could live in the country, but not in the city. So that, that expulsion order had been given. Philippi is a Roman city. Jews can't live in the city. In the country, they, they can. Outside, the, outside, outside that. So, no synagogue building in Philippi. That's why they're meeting at the river. But unusual, Paul, the Pharisee, the Orthodox man, speaks to the women. Why? Because that's all there was. No men. And why is that? I don't have the answer to that one. Where were the men? But you know what? The women were faithful. And i got to say, when you study missions, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> 80% of missionaries are women and mostly single. Where are the men? That's a whole different sermon, but... It's that way then, it's that way now. We need the men to also get with it. God has used women to get the word out. <laughs> and it's not just because the men won't go. He wants them to go as teams. But here's an example where the women were faithful in meeting for a synagogue service at the river. Why the river? What do you do at a river? You're immersed. It was common to put your synagogue when you built a building by running water. Well, you can see how this one, we can go all day with some of this. All this stuff is, is here, the Jewish things, are in this book, cover to cover. It's amazing. Where were the men? I don't know. Oh, well. well, the Lord opened her heart as Paul began to share about Yeshua. So, Lydia, who is she? Who is she? We're going to start with facts and end this thing in a while with some possible speculation, but we'll see. Well, we know that she was very wealthy. And she had a big house. She was a successful businesswoman. Um, and she was Jewish. How do we know she's Jewish? Because you read most commentaries and they say, well, it doesn't say if she's Jewish. Yes, it does. Because when it says, when it d- describes her, she worshipped God. That's a term used of Jews who are devout. Okay, if a Gentile who is devout it will say those who fear God, the God-fearers. And that's a part of next week's teaching, by the way. But that term is used of Gentiles. This term is used of Jews. So she is a Jewish woman, being faithful and having a synagogue service, a prayer service at, at the river. She was a businesswoman, quite successful. How do we know that? Okay, how, how do we know that? Well, uh, her business was in Thyatira, a city, a small city nearby. But she sold purple. So what's that? I mean, why did Luke even mention that? Because it's a big thing. Okay, it wasn't just, oh, that's a pretty color purple. No, they had the secret formula for the purple dye that would not fade that's used in king's robes and, and garments for, the, for a king. All right? So that secret was from Thyatira, from those who 
did the purple dyeing. That's what she did. They made a lot of money because nobody else knew how to do it. They had the monopoly uh, on the royal attire, the, the royal robes, because it wouldn't fade. Well, so notice that the household thing comes up again. Hint number one, what does this mean? We see it twice in the same chapter. She came to faith, and then her household did, and they were all immersed. They were all immersed. Well, just hang on. We'll get there. But let's see what happens next. Because when you begin to do the right thing and proclaim the truth, the devil's just going to run away, right? No. No. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, sometimes we're told that, but reality is a bit different. Verse 16. Now, look, look what happens and when. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, they began to pray, and that's when the enemy attacks back. As we went to prayer. By the way, Paul was a praying man. He prays a lot. All right. As we went to prayer, a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, divination met us. She has a demon. Okay, She's demonized. A demon lives in, in her who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Now, if you think that all this is a bunch of nonsense, even with with fortune-tellers, they couldn't be making a lot of money if it wasn't working. Think about it. It was working, but not under the power of God. So she's she's, the slave girl is wrecking the dough for her masters because of this. it's a negative gift. It's a spiritual gift, all right, but not, not from the Holy Spirit. And the girl, look at this, the girl followed Paul and us. There's the us again. Luke was there. Paul was following us. And cried out, saying, that means she's really loud. These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. What's wrong with that? That is the absolute truth. You know that demons can tell the truth? They don't always lie. They can tell the truth. Yeshua encountered demons that said, you're the Son of God, we know who you are, you've come to forgive us, forgive them of all their sins. Yeshua told them to shut up, be quiet and, and come out. Why? It's bad advertising. I don't want the Church of Satan endorsing a Dat HaMashiach. Saying, you know, that's a really good congregation if you're a Jewish believer. You should really, I don't want them saying that about us. Okay? Bad advertising. The enemy's advertising. You don't want that. You want the Holy Spirit to do the advertising. So I love, I love the next verse. <clears throat> she did this for many days. And Paul, greatly annoyed. I like the term. He was just annoyed. Now you're starting to bug me. Okay? Turned and said to the Spirit. He didn't say to the girl. He spoke to the Spirit, to the demon. I command you in the name of Yeshua Mashiach to come out of her. And he came out that very second. Are you there? It's not what it says. That very hour. Well, wait a minute. Weren't she told that you just say a word and the demons uh, run off? Deliverance sometimes is a lot of hard work and takes a long time because they don't want to do what you say. And they question you. It's, that's a whole different subject, but it took some work. Some pr- prayer is hard work sometimes. And it doesn't happen always instantly when they're strong. But it did work, and uh, they, the demon left. That very hour. Now, we got a little problem here. Because now the fortune telling doesn't work anymore because they're under the power of Satan. But when our masters saw that their hope for profit was gone, why aren't they rejoicing that the demon's gone? And look at that. People rejoice when the demons are here. Because if they get a benefit from it. Are you watching your television? Never mind. Wake up. People are doing that all around us. They're getting rich on satanic stuff. Isn't Halloween just like coming real soon now? Hmm. What is that? Okay. See what I mean? All right. Uh, listen up now. I'm going to ask you some questions. When our master saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And as you all know, the Greek word dragged means, yes, dragged. They dragged them. <laughs> That's what it means. They were just dragging them in the dirt. To the authorities in the marketplace, public marketplace. They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, oh, the anti-Semitism here, hmm? exceedingly trouble our city. 
And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Really, what do they teach? Oh, stuff like, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know, those statues. They were teaching this. And that was a part of the conflict. We don't want those laws. We want our laws that allow us to sin. <laughs> you know, when you stand against the enemy, you're going you're gonna to get some flack back. Just know that. Just know that. And, and so what they're saying is, is true. They're teaching things. That we're, we're saying this book says that what you're doing is wrong. And Anyway, uh, the, multitude, the multitude then, this is in public, the multitude rose up. Is that going on today as we speak anywhere on TV? You looking around here today? The, multi, the mob thing. The multitude rose up together against them. I thought when you became a believer that everything's peachy and happy and we sing nice songs and... Well, okay, well... Different congregation, maybe. Okay. Um, verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, that means they're really bloody, by the way, they threw them into prison. And the Greek word throw means throw. They threw them. They threw them into the, into the prison. Wow. Commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison, not just the prison, the, the worst part, the inner prison, and fastened their feet in stocks. Whoa, things are not looking good. Do you want to sign up to be a missionary? Hey, Megan, how's it, you, want to, you want to quit yet? Uh, this kind of stuff just could happen, you know what I mean? Uh, the attack. When you proclaim the truth, the enemy's not going to just stand by. You're going to get attacked. You will be attacked. Uh, the demon spoke the truth. You know, uh, Satan doesn't have to slander us with lies if he just exposes our sin that's true. Okay? That's all he has to do. You, sometimes you can't say, well, that's, that's a lie because it's not a lie. And, the, and what he likes to do is expose your shortcomings. Not that any of us have those, but... But what I'm saying is, if you take care of those before he does it, it's not a problem. So that's what this holiday season was all about. Get your life in order. Get it fixed. Well, why do they start off by saying, these Jews, some anti-Semitism. Remember the Jews have been kicked out of the cities. These Jews who believe in Yeshua. Whoa. However, guess what? This is some ammunition for us. Why is that? They saw, catch this, they saw that Jews who believe in Yeshua, are still Jews. That's what we teach. They saw that. They did not say, these Christians, they didn't say that, did they? The term Christian was in use. They didn't use that word. They would have used it if the people were not Jewish. But they called them Jews. Interesting, you see, that everybody's saying, you can't be a Jew and believe in Yeshua. They saw it. They saw their identity. And they still got the anti-Semitism when they believed in Yeshua. Well, this, it was a false accusation that was brought against them. And uh, so they went to jail. So what do you do in jail? What's there to do? Well, today, it's, it's, you get to do all kinds of stuff. Well, what happened was that they, had, let's, let's, they were beaten with rods. They were bloody. They were bruised. They were swollen. Now, do you think they might be thinking, is our doctrine correct? Did we do something wrong to deserve this? Um, are we still filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Do we still have faith? Yeah. Is our message correct? Yeah. Well, then why is this stuff happening to us? What happened to the trouble-free life? But I hear if you just come to faith in Yeshua, all your troubles will be gone. That's not true, by the way. People say that. Who, who teaches that kind of stuff? That uh, if, if you accept Yeshua, you'll have a problem-free life. Who teaches that? I'll tell you who does is some evangelists because they want to get you in, but they don't tell the whole truth. You know what? Yeshua said, count the cost. Before you say you're going to do this, count the cost. It's going to cost you. Know what you're getting into. We need to, we need, if we proclaim the full gospel, whatever that really is, we need to tell the whole truth. That if you come to faith in Yeshua, it's dangerous. In most of the world right now, you can die. 
in most of the world, right, and it's happening. It can be dangerous. Missionaries are in prison today. Uh, tortured. Killed. Wait a minute. I thought none of that's going to happen because that's next week's question, Steve, about uh, the protection from God that we have in the Psalms and so on. Wait a minute. My friend just got killed. What happened to that verse next week? That's the part where I say, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm practicing various ways of saying I don't know. Missionaries. Imprisoned. Uh, is that going to happen? Richard, Richard Warmbrandt, remember him? The, the book, uh, Tortured for Christ. Just before he passed, he spent most of his life in, in jail being tortured because he believed in Yeshua. Just before he died, he was one of the speakers at the Messiah Conference. And he came out in a wheelchair. And the, the basic line was this. He said, he's worth it. He's worth it. I'd do it again. You're going, what happened to him shouldn't happen to anybody ever. And who am I to even complain? And he said, it was, he's worth it. Because sometimes when the missionary goes, you're going to be tortured. Just know that. Just know that. Uh, what about Elizabeth Elliot? Ask her. Through Gates of Splendor. You know, uh, her husband was killed by the Alka Indians. Wait a minute. They're supposed to welcome us and say, I'm so glad you came with this message of love. They shot arrows and threw spears and they killed her husband. Wait a minute. What happened to the trouble-free life here? We grew up and they just, they love that we're here giving this message. Paul's situation. He's in jail. It looks hopeless. What are we going to do? What should we do? Um, It's not just jail. Remember, it's the inner prison. The worst part. His sore hands from being beaten up are in these heavy chains. His feet are in socks. Think about necessities. How do you do some of this? It's not easy, yeah? Okay, not, not a nice place to be. And there's no way of escape. There is no way of escape. So, what's the only logical thing to do? Well, you could complain, right? You could complain. Uh, you could say, why me, Lord? I mean, I mean, Peter, we go, I don't understand that part, but why me? Or, Lord, excuse me, but like, where are you? Where are you? I mean, I'm in trouble. Are you taking care of something? So, you know, that's not what they said. What do they do? They said, let's pray and sing. Is that what, is that what you would have thought? Let's pray and sing. Um... And let's look and see what happens when they begin to pray and sing. What do you think they were singing? Now, remember, it's dark. Because when the jailer comes in, he comes in with a torch because they can't see. What, what were some of those conversations? I think Paul might have said, Hey, Silas, are you here? Like, give me a break. What do you, what do you think? Of course I'm here. Hey, I have an idea. Let's sing, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. What do you think? Very funny, Paul. Very, very funny. Uh, he shall reign. Eh, you know, we can't do... <laughs> you know. Paul, uh, you, you need a drink of water or something? I mean, come on. You want to sing? Yeah, let's sing. Okay, let's, let's continue and see what happens. Well, isn't it amazing how God works through the opposite of the way most people think and work? Who would have wanted to sing and praise and worship? Paul did. Because he walked really close with the Lord. Okay, verse 25. Their feet were in the stocks, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Who were they singing to? Was there a concert for the prisoners? No. There's an audience of one. They were singing to God. When you worship, you sing to him. When we worship, we're not trying to impress anyone around us. We are singing love songs to Yeshua. We sing to him. That's worship. You pray when you sing. You pray when you, when you sing. Well, they were praying, singing to God. That's a good point. And the prisoners were listening. They were eavesdropping. And suddenly, now God is in the business of suddenlies. Donna, I'm praying that your family has a suddenly. It's a sudden awakening. And like what happens here, it's not one person, it's the household. That somehow, someway, the household has the suddenly, and you can look back to the prayer that was made on your behalf, because we believe, like he did it here, he can do it with you. It's one thing to talk about, look what God did 2,000 years ago. We are praying he'll do it today. We're praying that he heals Bev today. Okay, not, we, we see people that were healed 
No, right now. Because it's the same God and the same, same prayer. We're just 2,000 years later. All right, where am I? Who am I? Why am I here? Okay, we're suddenly 26. There was a great earthquake. So that the, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, I love, the, I love the immediately, the suddenly, the immediately. God can do it just like that. All, all means what? All the doors were opened. And everyone's chains were loosed. Wow. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Actually, no, I don't want to be in jail. Okay? And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he thought there was a great escape. Drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. They didn't run away. They stayed. Wow, what a testimony. Then he called for a light, ran in, and look at this. Look at how God can change a heart. And fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. I thought they were the prisoners. Now it looks like they're in charge, doesn't it? And he brought them out and said, Sirs, notice notice he called them sir. Sirs. What must I do to be saved? You see, the jailer had known about the previous encounter with the demons. He saw, you guys just might have some spiritual power here. And when he sees this, he says, okay, what do I do? I want to be on your side. How do I do that? Like I said earlier, people are going to ask you that. That's what we pray for. You better know what to say next. You better know what to say next. That's that point of impact. That life-changing moment. You better know what to say. What must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, and you will be saved. And they add, here's Donna's question, you and your household. And they spoke the word, listen, here's the next verse, which answers part of the question. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Did you see that? It wasn't just something automatic. They shared the plan of salvation with him. They shared the plan of salvation with his household. It wasn't just I'm blind, automatic. They shared the word of God. So, so that's the key right there. They heard and they believed and they received. And that's what will happen. Sometimes it's, it sounds so easy. I've been prompted... In, because there's all these classes you go to and take and tapes you listen to and the videos you watch on how to do all this stuff. And it's very intimidating because you'll never do it right. But I found that when the Lord has a divine appointment, when it's a setup, I don't say very much. If I'm prompted to say, would you right now like to open your heart to Yeshua and invite him to come in? I'm thinking, well, he hasn't heard my 22-hour sermons on the series of this and this and that. You know, they don't have to hear all that. Because if the Lord is opening a heart, they're ready. And they say, yes, I would. It's almost like, I don't think you understand my question. I mean, do you really? They did, okay? If you ask the question, there are some people who will say, yes, I, I want to pray with you. So ask the question. Worst thing that happens, I say no, okay? Worst thing that happens. Rejection. Don't you just hate that? We're in the right place, okay? You're in the right place for that stuff. Okay, verse 33. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Notice the reversal. And immediately he and all his family were immersed. Down at the river where the ladies met. Ladies Bible study. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Donna, that's the verse I want for you. You sit down with your family that you're praying about and rejoice because they came to the Lord. That's the verse. That's it right there. That happened 2,000 years ago. I'm praying it'll happen to you. You'll come back here and give us this testimony of the suddenly the miracle that happened because we interceded on your behalf and prayed. Those words right there happened then. They can happen today. People are the same. God opens the heart. We do the praying. So I'm anticipating you sharing with us because we're going to pray for your family. And keep us posted on how to, how to do it better. <clears throat> this gets better in a minute. Okay. He rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Okay, let's see where I am in my notes because there's some fun things here. I don't want to leave anything out. Okay, okay. What, what, why were they singing? Because they, uh, 
We're a really good group. Now, it's spiritual warfare. Worship is spiritual warfare. Satan and the demons do not like praise songs and worship songs that, that declare the, the mighty works and the worth and the value of our Lord. They don't like that at all. And to come against the enemy one in dealing in deliverance in time past, and I really dislike it immensely, okay? But a part of it has to do with, with having people present with you who are worshiping and singing these, these worship songs unto the Lord. We're, we're proclaiming who he is, what he's done. It's a powerful weapon. It's a spiritual weapon. So it's not just fun to dance and sing. It's, just, it's part of spiritual warfare as well. The enemy doesn't like that. Okay? Paul and Silas had, at the beginning of the story, come against the forces of darkness. And they were retaliating, fighting back. Now we're in jail. It's like, okay, we give, we give. No, no, they weren't giving. They were worshiping and praising, and the, the prisoners were listening. <clears throat> And the deliverance through the spiritual warfare came, and came suddenly. It came suddenly. Okay, let's go back to and your house, the beginning of the question. God had opened the doors of the jail, miraculously. But he also opened the hearts of the jailer and of his family. And he opened the hearts of Lydia and her family. That's what he does. Okay, he opens the hearts, he opens the doors, sets the prisoners free. The household principle. I started with this, that I stand before God on accountable for what I do, for what I believe, and, and for, for my decisions. If one trusts in Yeshua, here's the formula, one will be saved. The same principle applies to the household. If one's household, one by one, trusts in Yeshua, those people will also be saved. That's why, moms and dads, it's important to do the Shema and teach your children by precept and example of the scriptures because they will do what you do. And if you do bad, they will do bad because they, you are their example. And I've given you lots of stories in time past, not today, but how all of a sudden you look at, their, at the son of a fam, in a family and he's the duplicate of the dad and the daughter's the duplicate of the mom. You say, how'd that happen? It's by example. So you are the example in your home, mom and dad, and they will follow your leading. And uh, like in our case, we have one that's not in the right place yet. We don't throw in the towel. We are believing and anticipating and praying the day will come which he, he does that miracle for her as, as well because she knows better. Well, that, that principle applies. Back in those days in the culture of the time, the Middle Eastern culture back then and today as well, the family follows the leader of the family, the head of the household. What the head of the household does, the family does. It's the same in missions. When you go to a tribe, it's not you have a, a, an outside meeting and give an invitation and, and see who comes forward. No. They do what the chief does. So you want to win the chief. If the chief believes, they will believe. That, that's a principle that has been around a long time in history. The, the family unit, the, the community unit, the leadership. So the way the head of the household goes, that's the way the family goes. A lot of responsibility. Yeah, mom and dad? It really is. But in, in verse 32, he spoke the word of the Lord to them. That is what we are to do in our families. Speak the word of the Lord to our children. He shared the word with the jailer. He shared the word with Lydia. And the result was their entire household heard and believed and came to faith. Both believed. <clears throat> it's not automatic. But when you set the example in your home, your children will follow. Also, what Paul is doing is something else. Because in a couple of places uh, in this area, Paul is referred to as a prophet in Silas and in Timothy. He had a word of knowledge for this jailer. He's saying to him, your family is going to be coming to the Lord. And they did. And they did. Because it was a word of knowledge. <coughs> Oops. Oops. Somebody made a mistake. Let's see what that is. The next verse. Verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers saying, Let those men go. 
Where are they? So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, depart and go in peace. He said, Get out of Dodge while you can. Go that way and they won't see you. Go now. And Paul says, Nope. I'm not doing it. Somebody's in trouble here. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. Paul goes back to jail. Wouldn't you like to just travel with Paul? Paul, quit while you're ahead, would you? Listen, we're out of here. Let's go. Nope. I want justice. They did wrong. I want their apology. That's what he's saying. Paul, you see that, again, Paul was a Roman citizen. They were Roman citizens. They didn't bother to ask that question. Didn't check IDs or anything else because they followed the mob. Right now, these leaders can all lose their jobs and their salaries if Rome finds out that they they, they treated a Roman citizen like this because Roman citizens had certain rights, certain, certain rights. Paul did not become a fugitive and run. He stayed put. And he says, okay, in, in response to the mob, these guys did this, now I want an apology. Okay, you, you are not allowed to have a public flogging like they did or imprisonment without a public trial and conviction. Everybody can see, including charges and a defense. They had none. It was all illegal. Gee, who else had a trial like that? Hmm, let me think. Hmm. Paul demanded this apology. And they were, oh, please don't tell, please don't tell, because they, they can lose it all. So Paul goes, well, okay. But he wanted, he wanted, he wanted them to, to say, please, is what he did. But he didn't quite leave town yet. Where does he go? Back to Lydia's house, the big house, the lady who sells purple, for some refreshment to encourage the brethren. Now he's calling them the brethren. These are the terms that are used of people in the congregation that Paul plants. So, I like Paul Harvey's show where he says, and now for the rest of the story. All right, we'll move from facts that we know, more facts, but then some possible speculation and things some commentators think. You start weighing certain facts. We don't know for sure, but could be, and it's close. So let's, let's look at this. Lydia, let's go back to her. She was the first person to come to faith in Europe. A woman. You know, if God wasn't writing this book, they would have had a man. That'd be the first. A woman. The first to come to faith. Uh, What else was she doing? Ooh, she was leading a Bible study. A woman Bible study leader? Um, Sure looks like a congregation, doesn't it? Because that's the word that's used. A, A woman congregational leader? That's kind of what this looks like. Paul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, the, the conservative, orthodox person, says, you can't do that. No, he joined her. He joined her. Interesting, isn't it? No condemnation. You see, that's people. Say, God never said that. But people say, you can or can't do that. Paul joined them because they were doing the right thing. Now let's move into some speculation. Because we leave this chapter and they're meeting in her home. We're speculating, commentators think, okay, the original congregation in Philippi probably met in her home. In her home. It was there. It's being birthed. How is it being birthed? Well, it's being birthed by Lydia and her household and a jailer in his household. Those are the leaders? Uh Uh-huh. For the book of Philippians, that great book? Yes, yes. And by the way, maybe Paul had a conversation like this. This is speculation. But when you look at, at, at how many people were involved in the making of the purple robes, not many. Not many. Paul, when he heard about her, may have said something like this in that first conversation. You're a maker of the purple robe? You know, the one that goes on kings? Yes. Did you know that one of the robes that you made was put on Yeshua at his trial? And he wore your robe? Maybe. Maybe. What an interesting touch. Uh, there was mockery at that end, but then later the person who made it 
comes to faith. If she wasn't the one, it was somebody really close because it was a small number who had the secret. Small number that had, had the secret. Who do you think the first congregational leader was? The first pastor of Adat HaMashiach of Philippi? You awake over there? No. I've never been in Philippi. Pray that I get to go. I'd love, love to go there. Um, well, we have an interesting thing. Remember the, the we, Luke, says we when he's there? Okay, we do this. Uh, we went back to her house. And in the next chapter, he says, and they went on. We and they. He stayed in Lydia's house. Hmm. Hmm. Speculation that he be became the first. Not a bad pastor, Luke. I'd, I'd vote for him. Speculation also is that because God uses teams in ministry of men and women, speculation that some people think this, that he may have married Lydia. They became a team, like Priscilla and Aquila and so on. Pretty good team, I think. She's already the, the, the Bible study leader. Then later, uh, 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 Luke will join Paul at the, at the end of his life. But meanwhile, probably he built this congregation and he received the letter to the Philippians. Uh, if not, it was the next person. But nonetheless, these are potential what-ifs. What-ifs. We and they. Luke stayed. Now, this awesome congregation, the book of Philippians went there. Went there. When Paul wrote them, he says things like, rejoice. Think of the jail. In the jailer. Rejoice always. And again I say, rejoice. They saw what happened when you rejoice. There was a suddenly. They weren't complaining. They had a right to complain. But when they rejoiced, the suddenly happened. And they were set free. They were set free. <clears throat> and Paul would write to them one of my favorite verses, where in looking at his reason for existing, why he's there, he said, it's, it's that, well, it's that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's, why, that's what motivated Paul. Not that I might do, that I might know. That I might know him and his power. And the power of his resurrection was shown in that jail when Paul was let go. I want to end with a portion of one of Paul's testimonies. Turn to Acts 26. Because what Paul was doing here is what he says here. <clears throat> the calling on his life is the missionary. Verse 17, Yeshua is speaking to Paul. He said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles. And he did. To whom I now send you. And here's the little outline of his ministry. I'm sending you to open their eyes in order to turn them. Do you see the Jewish words here? In order to turn them from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. Did you see that happen in this, this chapter? That they may receive forgiveness of sins. Did you see that happen in this chapter? And an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Well, that's what he did. That's what he does. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what a missionary does. And in short outline form, that's the calling in our life. To stand for the truth and stand against the enemy. And to do what's right. And to expect miracles. Healings in Bev. Uh, hearts turned in, in your family and ours and others. And for our teens that they might get a glimpse of the calling on their life for their future. And make plans accordingly. And not settle for second best. You know, they're starting to get feelings and emotions about other people. And sometimes people make a wrong choice in a life's partner because they, they choose the first person that comes along that, that pays attention. Pray for discernment and wisdom. But they'll wait for the right person in the right time. Let's all stand. <coughs> Inviting Cantor John to come down. I'm going to pray and he will 
pronounce the ironic benediction and keep our teens in your prayers through the weekend. Bev, Megan. and Donna's family. Lord, I thank you that this is just one example of many of how you work and how you care about people. And Lord, you opened hearts. So be it here in this room. And the, the people that we're thinking of right now in our family that need that touch from you, only you can open a heart. I pray you would, you would touch those. And may they call people like Donna and others and say, you know, I have a question. I think you might know the answer to this. Can you help me? In love and in graciousness, we can share your love with them. And they would open their heart to you. And we will see today what we saw in this book. And for the, 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 the healings that we see, I pray you would touch Bev, restore her full and complete health. And for our teens, may they hear from you on direction, on purpose, on goals, and on timing. And may they put their full trust in you. For your promises and the way you work, we are grateful and thankful and for the opportunity we have of doing what Paul and Silas did, of praying and worshiping and singing to you love songs that honor you, we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Yair Adonai Panavalecha Vichunika Yisadonai Panavalecha Vyasemlecha Shalom. B'shem Yeshua Meshachenu, Hasar Shalom.